In the early days, it was this really strange, really weird, obscure way to try to get fit. CrossFit really has revolutionized the fitness space. Gyms back in the day were this sea of machines, either cardio equipment or all of the isolation things from the pec deck to the leg extension to calf raises. And now when you look at gyms, there are these open floor spaces with rubber flooring and free weights and rigs. It's that's that's from CrossFit. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. Ben and I answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got something special for you. We've got a conversation Ben had recently on the Talk for podcast. What he and Louie, the host, are talking about, the journey of transitioning from a personal trainer to an elite level coach, the psychological aspects of fitness and the importance of decision making, and the evolution and impact of CrossFit, its unique approach to fitness, and how it has revolutionized the fitness space. I am excited to get into this episode But before we do, a quick word of thanks from a few sponsors. We're going to talk about sleep here for a moment. First up, we're brought to you by Hatch. Raise your hand if you've said this. I need my phone when I go to bed because I use it as an alarm clock. And keep your hand raised if this is really just an excuse to keep scrolling. Facebook, Instagram talk for 30 minutes before you fall asleep. Again, that's Facebook, Instagram talk. If you have not checked it out, I recommend it. I've got a better option. It's called the Hatch Restore. Go to hatch.co slash excellence to learn more about this game changer that will improve your sleep routine and finally get you to throw your phone out your bedroom window. What is it? It's a device that teaches you when it's time to sleep or wake up. You can customize your bedtime routine with a selection of light and audio cues. I've been using Hatch's exclusive content like Pillow Talk, an audio series designed to entertain you to sleep. It's like watching TV, but without the screens that can disrupt your rest and distract you from sleep. Hatch wakes you gently with a sunrise alarm. You can set it so the light comes on first and then your personalized alarm sound comes on 10, 15, 30 minutes later. This is what I do and I love it. 83% of Hatch customers report improved sleep. Hatch offers a 60-night money-back guarantee so you can try it risk-free. Right now, they're also offering you $20 off your purchase and free shipping. Just head to hatch.co slash excellence. That's hatch.co slash excellence for $20 off and free shipping. We're going to keep the sleep train rolling. We're also brought to you this week by Momentus. If you're struggling with quality sleep, Momentus Sleep is here to help. Check it out by going to livemomentus.com. Use the code excellence to get $20 off your purchase. What is it? What is Momentus Sleep? It's a combination of magnesium, L-threonate, apigenin, and L-theanine that helps you fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up fully re charged. What's even better, and it's crazy we have to say this, but that we do says a lot about the supplement industry at large. Momentous Sleep contains no banned substances, no toxic contaminants or fillers. It's trusted by 90% of teams in the NFL, as well as the U.S. military. And Momentous has unparalleled commitment to rigorous third-party testing and independent certification. They call it the Momentous Standard, the industry's leading standard in quality. Remember, trust is everything when it comes to supplements, and my trust is in Momentous. So head to livemomentous.com. Use the code excellence to get 20% off sleep and all their best in class products. Start your journey to better sleep now. Okay, 
without further ado, here is Louis and Ben. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I love to just start off with a bit of backstory. So uh, question one, we have a backstory. I'd love to hear yours. So what got you into fitness? Um, how did you find CrossFit? And then just guide me through your journey um, up to taking the coaching role. Floor is yours. Backstory us up. <laughs> okay. So the backstory is I had no intention of becoming a coach or in the fitness space whatsoever. After I left college or what you would call university, I guess, um, I went into business doing finance and was climbing the corporate ladder until my world got rocked one day and it was September 11th of 2001. And that, when that tragic event happened in the United States, uh, really took a deep dive into my own personal pursuits and what I was doing with my life and decided I didn't want to be a guy in a cubicle, didn't want to be uh, pushing money around the world. I wanted real impact. Uh, I wanted to do something that would tr drive true fulfillment for me. Moved across the United States to the mountains for a year to try to figure out what I wanted to do and eventually settled on becoming a personal trainer. And I thought it was a way that I could have impact on people, create relationships and have uh, you know a little more fulfillment in my life. That led one thing to another for me going from personal training to becoming a strength and conditioning coach um, at, a, at a local elite prep school. From there, I found CrossFit, opened up my CrossFit gym. From opening up my CrossFit gym, I uh, found the sport of CrossFit, started training some people and you know, was lucky enough to be working with some of the best of the best of the sport. So I uh, didn't really have an intention of becoming a, a coach or in the fitness space. I always liked fitness. I was doing triathlons and did a couple Ironmans and always stayed fit and went to the gym. But this thing kind of stemmed out of uh, – you know, the idea of let's find what feels like play, but looks like work to others. And I'm a big believer that if we do what sets our heart on fire, you know, everything else kind of finds its way. Yeah, absolutely. So true. And and that just aligns itself with when you follow something that you're really passionate about, the quality of what you do as well, is just out of this world com compared to someone who's just doing it for the hell of it. Um, But so Obviously, so my understanding of CrossFit and stuff is um, I've never really kind of looked into it too much. I've always been doing tennis and sports and gym work and everything. And it's felt kind of like kind of like a little secluded society that's just come out of almost seemingly nowhere in like the, the early 2000s, kind of when I was born. So where along the line did you sort of find it? And what's what's that journey for CrossFit been like? And whereabouts is it now in terms of like how popular it is, would you say? Yeah. So I'd say the birth of CrossFit was your spot on, Louis, it was is right around that 2001 to 2003, somewhere in there where, um, you know, the affiliates started popping up where you could do these in different gyms. <clears throat> I found it in 2005, which was in the midst of my amateur triathlon career. And um, by 2007, you know, two years later, I had opened up my own affiliate. So there was... That was still really early on in that in the 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 lifespan of CrossFit. There was only a few hundred gyms at that time. There's been as many as fifteen thousand. So I was probably gym about number five hundred. Um, and then the real kind of explosion of CrossFit happened around two thousand thirteen through two thousand sixteen. That's where it kind of really went exponential. That's where they moved from, um. You know, that it used to be in 
basically the CrossFit games was in someone's backyard. Mm. It was, it was in a ranch in California. And then they moved it to the stub hub center where the LA galaxy play. And then from there they moved it to Madison, Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, I found it early and I, um, I've been to 15 CrossFit games, world championships, uh, in a row until this past year. It's when I found it, you're, you're, you're spot on. It is a very much a kind of a, a niche inside of a niche, right? Mm. There's this, there's this thing of sport. There's this world of sport inside that world of sport. There is training like training for sport inside of that. There is training really hard and training is different than exercising or working out. It's training with a, a purpose and an intention. So there is people that go and work out. There's people that go and ride bikes and, you know, lift some weights and go and do spin classes or do yoga. That's exercise. Then inside of exercise, there's training and training is with a goal, a purpose and intention that was really reserved for athletes for a very, very, very long time. What CrossFit did was turned fitness into a sport. They it's, we're going to see who can fitness. It sounds weird to say who can fitness the fastest, right? So who can, we're going to take this training methodology, pull-ups and squats and running and rowing and jumping on boxes and throwing medicine balls around. We're going to take that and turn it into a sport. And it's the first thing of its kind. Um, you know, obstacle course racing and high rocks and things like that have stemmed up since. But when it came about, they created a sport out of it and it created this, you know, it's ravenous like fan base that's like, you know, when if you're in it, you, you're really, really into it. Um, and then there's this other thing, which is not just the sport of it and the people that compete, but the people that go to these gyms. And that's what I own outside of Boston is a few of these gyms as well, where people come here and it's anything from the people that want to compete the sport, but it's also regular soccer moms and dads, or in your neck, it's like football moms and dads. And, um, kids and everyone in between. So it's this training methodology that started with, can we create the world's fittest human being, but has since kind of layered down to something that's accessible for all of us. Yeah. Also, it's a, it's a really interesting story behind CrossFit actually, I've found. And it reminds me a little bit of what one of my businesses is based in too. So you've got outdoor sports, which is like the big one, and then you've got, for example, paintball, which everyone knows what paintball is, right? So like going to the gym or something. And then you've got where I'm at with this, something called airsoft. So it's kind of like BB guns on steroids. And the one thing I've found is like <laughs> in in that it's so community driven, like everyone is mm. tightly packed and it's really positive space with a lot of support for everyone. So it looks like CrossFit is the same around there too, but um, so something that, you know, everyone's got their opinion, right? Like everyone's got their opinion, but there's a lot of like toxic people out there and stuff. So sometimes when I go on Instagram, have a scroll through the feed, looking at gym content, I do occasionally see some people kind of taking the fun, yeah, taking the mick out of CrossFitters a bit and stuff. So I'm just wondering like, where are we at with that now in, in the CrossFit space? Like, is that a big thing that happens a lot still, or has it like really kind of found its place now and people are sort of like, okay, I'm, this is actually a thing now. 
What was your saying? It, taking the ferns? <laughs> it's kind of taking the mick out of it or like kind of, you know, it, it's, it's a way of kind of saying like taking the piss a bit. But um, but yeah, like there's some videos and some people out there I've seen kind of recently and they're, you know, they have your opinion and whatnot and stuff. But with anything that's kind of breaking out and kind of having explosive growth, people are always going to have a stab at it and stuff. So are we at a stage now, do you think, in the, in the CrossFit community where that's like not happening anymore or, or do you still kind of get some stick for it all? No, uh, you're still going to get, every, but you're going to get it for everything, but it's certainly not as much as it was in the early days. In the early days, it was this really strange, weirdly, really weird, obscure way to try to get fit. And, you know, it, it take it for what it's worth, but it, CrossFit really has revolutionized the fitness space. Like gyms back in the day were this sea of machines, either cardio equipment or all of the isolation things from the pec deck to the leg extension to calf raises. And now when you look at gyms, there are these open floor spaces with rubber flooring and free weights and rigs. It's that's, that's from CrossFit. And what CrossFit did was defined what fitness is. And it's really crazy because before I found this training methodology, I was searching for the most what makes the most sense? I want to be incredibly fit. I was doing Ironman triathlons and I still felt like something was missing. And when I found CrossFit and understood what it was that they were doing and how they were going about it, the actual methodology, it made it, it's, 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 it's hard to push up against it. Because before, like, what is fitness? Who's fitter? The guy that can deadlift a thousand pounds or the guy that can run a two-hour marathon? Hmm. And it's like, I don't know. Like, those are two extremely impressive events. But when you realize what fitness is, which is work capacity across broad time and modal domains, you start to create the picture of what it is we're chasing, which is who can do the most amount of work. It's measurable. Work is forced times distance. How much weight did you lift? How far did it go? Divided by time. How long did it take you to get there? So now we always have been doing this forever for those individual things, running and weightlifting, who can lift the most, who can run the fastest. But what happens when you put those two things together? What happens when you do a 315-pound deadlift for 15 reps in a 800-meter run five times? Who's going to win? Well, the fittest guy is. And this is what we can do with fitness is turn it from this obscure thing, which stemmed out of the seventies with uh, bodybuilding. And that's where the sea of machines came from this obscure thing called jogging, which came about in the seventies. Now you have endurance. Those two things by themselves are not fitness. They're not, they're tangential to it, but fitness is your ability to create work. And we need to do is be able to create work across all domains. If you can only do it in one, you're, you're a specialist and specialists are incredible, like amazing. I'll never run it to our marathon or deadlift a thousand pounds. But what we want, what to happens to each of those people when you give the marathoner a 225 pound bar and say, let's see how many times you can squat it. What happens to the weightlifter when you say, let's do a 5k, let's see how long it takes you. And now all of a sudden, the picture of what fitness is comes into scope. And once you understand what the scope of fitness is, you understand the methodology and the way to approach it, mm. which is constantly varied, functional movements performed at relatively high intensity. 
And then you define what those are. Cool. Like what is a functional movement? A functional movement is one that moves large loads, large distance quickly. They're universal. I mean, they're found everywhere on the, on the playing fields and on the job site and that they are, um, they are essential. They are, they're, they're necessary. You need to be able to do these as humans. You need to be able to squat. You need to be able to lunge, jump, run, push, pull, climb. You need to be able to do those things as human beings. What you don't need to be able to do is, you know, calf raise, wrist curl, pec deck. Like those are not things that exist in the real world, especially if you do it standing on a BOSU ball or (laughs) with a shake weight or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you start to understand what a functional movement is and you go, okay, what does variance look like? Not random planned execution to make sure we're make sure we're not failing at the margins of our existence. And then you go, okay, and we're going to work hard with intensity. Now you start to see the picture of what this whole thing is. So if there is still pushback in the CrossFit space, I don't think there's any in terms of, in the beginning, it was like, that doesn't work. Hmm. And people aren't saying that doesn't work anymore because they see what these athletes can do. You know, they're running sub five minute miles and back squatting 500 pounds in the same day. Like that's crazy while being able to do 50 pull-ups like it's just the the results are speaking for it but the, if there is still pushback it's because they don't understand what we're chasing after they go look at these guys aren't these guys aren't squatting 850 pounds it's like right but that's not the idea behind this Mm, yeah, I, I totally get that. And, um, you know, something that you touched on there a bit as well, which is f- for me, what I see in terms of gym training and everything is that there's like a wall that's between cardio and strength training. And then if you get into the strength training stuff, you've got, okay, leg day today, back day today, arm day today, or whatever it right. is. And then there's so much like separation between them. But what I've l- liked to see in CrossFit is that it kind of mashes it into one in a sense and it just is very very effective for building super well-rounded athletes yeah um but kind of going forward um if we dig a little bit more into that backstory but i'd like to kind of structure this so that maybe you can kind of give us your uh the, the kind of the backstory of what you did but also interlace like some advice into it and tips along the way which worked so um, obviously you're an elite level coach. And like you said, you started out as a PT. There's a lot of PTs out there, man. There's a lot. So what do you think? I mean, you look, you look at you now, you know, written a book, the people you've worked with, the following, everything. You've, you've clearly at an elite level of this stuff. So um, what is the backstory of you kind of going from PT to, to this level of your coaching and any tips for like PTs potentially listening in to just up their game? Um kind of maybe like with some of the things you did uh okay so the 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 growth journey was i started as a as a personal trainer uh working with clients one-on-one and then i i just kind of it's not a very sexy story i just want to keep learning more stuff that's and maybe that's the piece of advice is i just wanted to to i loved what i was doing so for me trying to learn more wasn't work. It was curiosity. I just was incredibly curious about um, training programs, but even more so if there was a thing that I think helped me along the path, it was because what you start to realize really soon as a physical, as a personal trainer and as a coach, 
what you have people do obviously creates an impact on their performance, but it's not so much the deciding of what they should do, but creating an environment in which they will actually do the thing. So it's it, it ends up being more of a psychological game than a physical one. It's not about whether we should be doing four sets of eight or three sets of 10. It's not a matter of whether we're doing flat dumbbell bench presses or inclined barbell bench presses. It's not a matter of whether we should be running two miles at tempo or four by 800. That's not the thing that's going to move the needle the most for someone. The thing that's going to move the needle the most is compliance, meaning that they show up again tomorrow and they do the thing. So when you start to put it through that prism, the game is a psychological one, not a physiological one. And what you need to then know and understand, not know because we don't know any of this stuff, what we're trying to get a better grasp on is human behavior and what drives decisions. And then you start to play the psychological game because that's the real game we're playing. The saying is, you know, in terms of training or sports, physical performance, how much of it is mental? And people go, well, I think it's 50% mental. People are like, you're crazy. Like it's all, it's all muscles and your cardio. And what you said, it's like, there's the cardio group and the strength group. And it's like, my take on it is that it is 100% mental. It's all mental because every single thing is either a conscious or a subconscious choice. What we need to be able to do is recognize as coaches that that's our job is to get people to make better choices. And can you get them to do that when you're in the room? Cool. That's the interpersonal relationship of trust and buy-in. That's actually not the hard part. The hard part is, can you get them to make better choices when you're not in the room? And if you can do that, now you're an impactful coach. Because what you're doing is you're changing their character. You're changing their self-discipline. Not discipline, not I'm going to tell you to this and you got to do it. That's just, dis- I'm, I'm disciplined. I'm in a strict school. I have to wear a certain uniform. That's discipline. Self-discipline is very different. Self-discipline is when you either... Know that you should do something, but don't want to do it, and you go and do it, like working out. I don't want to get up in the morning. I want to stay in bed. I want to snooze, but they're going to go up and do it anyway, even when they're not meeting with you. Or the other thing is there's something I want to do, but I don't want to do it. I want to eat the cake. I want to have dessert. I want to sit down and watch Netflix. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to do my recovery work. I just want to have a have a, have a a drink. And when you can view your profession through that prism, your job is there to change the character of the people you're working with. And if you change the character, the rest of the stuff just falls into place, or at least more systematically and Mm. um, simplistically will fall into place. Then you start to realize what we're really doing. And I think that, you know, if there's one thing that, I recognized early on it was that. And I think that it probably had to do with me just being a personal trainer instead of starting to work with elite coaches. Because as a personal trainer, you're working with somebody one to three times a week and you're like, and I'm hoping you're doing this other stuff when I'm not here. (laughs) Because 
if you're only training with me in your basement once a week, like we're not going to really get very far. And then you go to these elite athletes that you're working with seven days a week. And you like, you bring that same perspective in and now you get to work on, you know, mental toughness and how well do you handle adversity? And can you stay focused in the face of X, Y, and Z? And, you know, that's really the thing that moves the needle a lot for, for everyone, regardless of the endeavor. We'll be right back to this conversation between Louis and Ben momentarily. But first, a quick word of thanks to a few more sponsors. We're brought to you this week by a new sponsor, The Perfect Gene. Gentlemen, if you're listening to this show, my guess is you'd rather be wearing gym clothes. But alas, that's both socially unacceptable and also just a little bit weird. If only there were a pair of blue jeans that were just as comfortable as there is. Go to theperfectgene.nyc and use the code EXCELLENCE1515 to get yourself a pair of the most comfortable jeans I have ever worn. And I'm not just saying that. I'm wearing them now and I'm never taking them off. The Perfect Jean has a special denim fabric that's super soft and has just the right amount of stretch. Whether you're doing a little squat therapy between Zoom calls, spontaneously busting into downward dog as one does occasionally, or just lounging around the house, you will look good and feel amazing. You will also feel good and look amazing. They offer a range of fits and sizes, so whether you're tall, short, or somewhere in between, they've got you covered. They're offering you 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. Head to theperfectgene.nyc. Use the code EXCELLENCE15, EXCELLENCE15, at checkout, and when you do, let them know that we sent you. Life is too short for uncomfortable jeans, my friends. Good thing we've got the perfect gene to help. We're also brought to you this week by Element. Are you feeling fatigued, experiencing brain fog, or suffering from muscle cramps? Well, you might be dealing with an electrolyte deficiency. Go to drinkelement.com excellence to learn more about what that could look like and to get yourself the tastiest zero sugar electrolyte drink mix on the planet. Nay, I say in the entire known and unknown universe. Element, spelled L-M-N-T, is designed to restore your health through proper hydration. It's perfectly suited for athletes, those who are fasting, or anyone following keto, low-carb, whole food, or paleo diets. Element was co-founded by Rob Wolf, a former research biochemist, two times New York Times bestselling author and guest here on the podcast, who has sat on the Navy SEAL Resiliency Committee for over a decade. The benefits of Element are proved by a diverse community, from Olympians to NFL athletes, from Navy SEALs to everyday health enthusiasts. And there's a delightful treat for you this winter, the new Element Chocolate Medley featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry designed to be enjoyed hot. It's perfect for your morning or evening routine or even fueling your winter activities. My winter activities include shivering, staring at the calendar, waiting for April, and searching the entire house for my left glove. Just me. If you're ready to fuel your health journey, visit drinkelement.com slash excellence to receive a free Element sample pack with any order. Here's the best part. If you don't like it, you can give it to a salty friend and Element will give you your money back. No questions asked. So why wait? Hydrate with Element today. It begs the question then for me, because uh, what you mentioned there is from the coaching point of view, but like, obviously there's a certain degree, uh, there's a great quote actually that my dad gave me. Um, you can take the horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. And I think like a degree of all of this has got to come from the person. So I think something that everyone listening could probably benefit from right now, um, this, this little, little side question, but you mentioned there about decision-making. So in your findings, in a nutshell, what drives decision-making? How can like an individual say like me going into tomorrow, how can I begin to imp- self-improve my own decision-making to making these better choices with maybe without a coach or something? Yeah. 
It's a great question. Uh, it, it comes down to three guiding principles. Awareness is the first one. And it's really, are you aware that you're making this choice? So many people operate subconsciously on a default pattern. You just like snooze because you're snoozing. It's not, you don't even think of it as a choice. You um, have a, a muffin for breakfast because that's what you do. You have a muffin for breakfast. You don't go to the gym because that's just what you do. You don't go to the gym. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you get pissed off at them because that's what you do. Well, all of those are choices and you have to become aware that you're making choices, usually subconsciously. So can we pop off the lid and go look at 10,000 of you, look outside yourself and recognize that you're making, you know, we make over 200 nutritional choices a day. Every single one of us makes 200 nutritional choices a day. We make tens of thousands of choices every day. People aren't aware of them. They just kind of think that they're going about their day. We need to become aware that you have decisions to make. And you are just going to be, if you want to see where, why you got to where you are right now, just look at the decisions you made over the last five years. That's why you are the way you are. You want to know why you're 10, 15, 30 pounds overweight? It's because the decisions you made over the last five years. If you want to know why you are super successful in business, it's because of the decisions you made over the last five years. If you want to know why your relationships are great or not where you want them to be, it's the decisions that you've made over the last five years. So become ultimately aware of the decision points that are happening all of the time. That's number one. Number two is become intentional with those decisions. I am going to, when this comes up, I am going to do this thing. It's goal setting, it's strategies, it's the approach of the way that you're going to navigate life. I am going to be intentional with my life. I am, if I am not happy with the way I am, I recognize that I am the only one that can change that. I have the onus, I have the responsibility, I have the power to change my life if I have awareness and attention over it. And then the third one is all of that doesn't count for crap unless you take action. If you're aware that you got to make these decisions, you have a goal, you have a strategy that you're going to go to do this thing. But when it actually comes to the moment, you don't make the right decision. We're not moving forward. So it's that. Do you have the awareness, the intention, and the action every day in your life to guide this forward? So in your case, Louie, tomorrow morning, you're like, you know, listen to Ben. Tomorrow, I'm going to start a real workout regimen. I'm going to do this thing. And tomorrow morning comes and you hit the snooze alarm when you, the night before, you said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to run two miles. We're missing it. You're either like, where did it fall off? Did you not have the awareness? Okay. Because that's what you got to start with. You have to start there. Okay. Did you not set the right game plan? Did you not have the right goals? Because here's what all of us will do. All of us, you have two selves inside of you. One self is the higher you. It's the one that wants you to be calm, have peace of mind, be have freedom, to have a great body, be successful, have great relationships, you know, have the necessary hard conversations in your life. That is the higher you. The higher you, when you look out on a long enough timeline, is always the one that's talking. 
when you get to the really short timeline, the other you takes over. And that is when it's actually time. So when you go, next summer, I'm going to have a six pack, right? That's because it's far enough away. The higher you is like, yup, that's important to me. But then when it comes to the actual thing of today, that means that you're going to have a salad, a protein shake, go for a run and lift weights. The lower you goes, no, I'm actually just going to scroll through Instagram and watch Netflix because the lower you will always go for short-term pleasure. If we have the awareness of this, if you have the awareness that short-term pleasure will all, you will always default to the short-term pleasure. Then we have to have the discipline, again, the discipline to do the things that we don't want to do and say no to the things that we'd want to do. And we have to change our character. It's the awareness. We have to change our character and start to live some lives with greater self-discipline. Mm, absolutely. And I think that that's something that is on the crash and burn path at the moment with this culture where we've just got absolutely interlaced with this instant gratification stuff, but absolutely spot on. Um, you know, what? one thing I, I tend to say is uh, do the hard work, even when you don't feel like it. And it's simple, but it's so true. And actually what you were saying there reminds me of something I heard from uh, from one of my guests before. He was a former commander of the Navy SEALs. And he explained the story of how you have two wolves in your head. And one of them, the fear wolf and the courage wolf. So the courage wolf, which represents all the good attributes and all of the good um, powerful thoughts and good habits and, and good energy and positivity. And then you've got the fear wolf, which is the opposites of that. And, you know, the story goes that it's like a, an elder who's explaining this story to the kids and they ask, well, which one wins? And they're always fighting these two wolves. And he says, whichever one you feed the most. And that just rings really true to, um, to what you just said as well. But quite funny though. I mean, what you said was perfect, but the only thing I'd say is that you've just opened my eyes to um, to something interesting because you used the example of um, d- choosing and allowing yourself to get angry at someone who cut you off on the road today. Well, today I got very angry at someone who cut me off on the road today. So Ben, cheers for uh, opening my eyes to the fact that I in fact choose to be a massive road rager. I appreciate that a lot, man. <laughs> yeah. That's most of us because, but it's crazy, right? You, I mean, the the amount of, you have a power inside of you. I don't use that lightly. There is a power inside of you. You are choosing to give that power away to this person that cut you off. You You are a leaf blowing in the wind. You have no control over your life. Anybody can do anything to you and cause a reaction to you. The wind blows and the leaf has to go that way. Somebody cuts you off and you have to get pissed off. Recognize that 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 is a choice. Between stimulus and response, there is a gap. And that gap is your choice. That choice is your freedom to change your life. I'm I'm, I'm being totally serious with this. There is somebody puts, because this is what happens. You're at a birthday party and someone passes you a piece of cake. You eat the cake. You don't have to eat the cake. You don't have to. Someone cuts you off in traffic. You don't have to. Your boss says, hey, um, first thing Monday morning, I need to talk to you. And you get all freaked out. You don't have to get all freaked out. You have a choice of the way you navigate life. 
And people don't think that they do. They think that if something on the outside happens, it has to cause something on the inside to happen. That's only a part of your default programming. You can rewrite that programming. I say you can rewrite the programming to where somebody cuts you off and now you go awareness. Ben said that when he cuts me off, I'm going to get pissed. I'm still pissed. Okay. Just like now we have awareness of it. Over time, you get to rewrite that into, oh my God, I hope that person's okay. They might be rushing to the hospital with a sick child in the backseat. I hope that they're okay. Different perspective. There is not a right or wrong. There is only the way you choose to view life. We've all got our strengths and weaknesses, haven't we? And it's all about that self-awareness to be able to recognize these things and lose some of that thick skin as well, which might prevent growth. And I'm sure that's something you see within athletes a lot as well and in your coaching and stuff, how people, they have to lose like some of their that ego a little bit to be able to get to a higher level and stuff and also be really self-aware like there's no doubt about it there's things that I do in my life which I'm really good at and there's things I do as well that I'm not good at like we have weaknesses and that's why businesses and business owners they delegate tasks to people who handle these kind of things better so you have to be aware of it to, to really get that personal growth so I think yeah what you said there is is, is a mic drop I'm going to be I'm going to be clipping that that's really good and something definitely to to live by and um and, and go about that so um hopefully for a few people that's going to make that difference too but um kind of moving on a little bit then so um <laughs> interesting one so crossfit so people listening or people who've kind of had a little sort of pitter patter at the idea but never really gone and given it a go or something um if we have a listen right now looking to kind of start something new in their fitness journey, what are some of the like the do's and don'ts and red flags and things to consider if you're looking to kind of give it a shot and like, where do you kind of start with it? And also, is there like a, an, a typical kind of eye roll rookie mistake that people tend to make coming into it? Yeah, it, it's all one and the same answer. The rookie mistake, the thing that they shouldn't do, the thing they should have eyes open on is people think that this is a training program where you try, you go your hardest every single time you work out. And that's what, cause that's what kind of got its thing, you know, fitness and training used to be about, you know, three sets of 10 bench press. And then I'm going to go and jog, go for a five K jog. What we do when you look at it is like people working so hard and that certainly it's not not that, but it's not that every time. And really, the mechanism, the way this thing works, the number one thing is if I was to try to change someone's health or body, there's a lot of pieces to it. It's right. It's what they eat. It's make sure they get enough sleep, make sure that they have the right frame of mind, that they're not in toxic relationships. It's that they're lifting weights and they're doing cardio. The number one thing, the thing that triggers all other things to cascade from that is, are you going to the gym and five or six days? And I mean by the CrossFit gym, because it's this training methodology is very different than just trying to get bigger, bigger biceps or um, trying to run a faster marathon. Are you doing this some sort of mixed modal intensity work with weights, body weight, and cardio, 
Are you doing that combination five or six days a week? That's the thing. Now, once you get to like the, this is the thing that people miss when they first start because they get into a CrossFit gym and there's leaderboards and people are racing each other. And they think that they're, the goal is to go faster and to work as hard as they can. And then they work so hard that psychologically and physically it's beyond their tolerances and they stop coming. The idea is not how, how heavy can you lift? How fast can you go? The goal is, can you show up five or six days a week and don't work that hard? It sounds weird. You don't need to work that hard. You need to show up five or six days a week. That's the recipe. It would be the same thing. And this is like, it's not unique to us at all. It's the same as learning anything new. If I was to teach someone how to play guitar, I wouldn't say play so hard and play as, with as much intensity as you can till your fingers start bleeding. Because hmm. once you do that, now you have to take the rest of the week off. You can't play because your fingers are blistered. That's not the way you get better at guitar. The way you get better at guitar is by playing for 30 minutes, five days a week. If you play the guitar 30 minutes for five days a week, you are going to be better than 90% of the world in one year. It's the consistency, not the intensity. The mistake people make is they put the intensity in front of consistency. That is not the way you learn new things. Fitness is learning. It's growth. It's an evolution. You can't force it. Stair-step it, not ramp. <laughs> True. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% no doubt about that. And it, it reminds me of something interesting I heard before. I, I don't know who they were, but there was like a story that I heard of uh, a personal trainer who was dealing with someone who was very obese and overweight. And what they did was they got him to come in for a gym session every day for a, I think it was like eight minute session or something. And the point there wasn't so wasn't even like the progress so much at that point because they, they extended it over time. Yeah, a week later, it was like 10 minutes, 12 minutes, whatever. It was habit building. And that's what I've found in my own personal journey as well. Like uh, my training was at its best when I made it a rule. I am going to the gym every day. The only question I need to ask myself is when am I going to fit this into my schedule today? And that was when it was like, if you remove that decision-making there, that's how it goes. So if you say, okay, I'm going five times a week, when is this happening? Not if that's, that's like the road to, to success and uh, absolutely consistency is just king. But I think, um, what, one of the things that people may struggle with as well is they might be being consistent, but they also might have hit like a plateau or something. So how do you kind of like approach that? Like, uh, this is something I want to ask as well for me personally, because I'm going right now for a 200 kg deadlift and it's just been difficult. I just, some days it's, 180 won't budge some days 200 is kind of just about getting off the floor another day 190 and i i just i'm i'm trying really hard for it um is that plateau and how do you how do you navigate that kind of thing yep there's there's two approaches to plateaus the first one is uh, it might have nothing to do with your deadlift and it might have everything to do with the stuff outside the gym so uh, are we having the right nutrition? Are we having the right sleep? 
are we having, uh, are we mitigating stress and are we recovering between sessions? So the first place I would go is not how do we adjust the training program? It's the stuff outside the training program. Cause this happens all the time. You know, we've had people in our gym that show up, you know, five, six days a week. They eat really well. They follow the program. And they're like, why am I not seeing any gains? And when you dig in, it's not about trying to get them to work out harder, try to train, change something in the training program. It's not about the changing up the nutrition. It's not about calorie intake. It's not macros. You realize that they're 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 stressed to the max at their job and they're only sleeping four and a half hours a night. Like, yeah, if we change those things, then the other stuff will start to go up. If the other stuff, if that stuff is in place, then it's the second strategy, which is the best way to bust through plateaus is not to hang out at the plateau. It's to back up and basically build a lot, uh, an arsenal so you can bust through that wall. So what does that mean? If you have a, if you're tapped out at a, um, a 200 K deadlift, I don't want you to keep trying a 200 K deadlift. I might not even want you to do a 180. What I want you to do is what is the thing that you can walk in today? You know, you can hit no brainer, no, any given time, probably for like three to five reps. And I want you to hammer that thing and we're going to bust through that plateau. So what was the thing? So don't try to beat the thing you can't beat. Go around the edge. It's kind of like warfare. Don't, if you can't get through the middle, flank them, go around the side. So what we're going to do is you can't get through that 200. Don't keep on trying to bang through the 200. Go down to a 170. And if you can only do 170 for three reps, let's get you to that for six. Let's get you to that for five, eight reps. Now, if you can do that 170 for eight, then we'll come back to that one. Now, sometimes it's the opposite approach, right? Or not the opposite, but just a little bit different, which is let's back up just a little bit and let's see if we can just kind of play with the, it's a little different for different athletes. If you're more of an endurance-based athlete, I want you to hang out at the 90% plus. If you're more of a pure, really um, um, explosive type athlete, I want you to hang out and try to get more reps. This is like weightlifting type stuff. There's different athletes. I trained an athlete, a female athlete that won the CrossFit Games twice. Um, if you had her work with rep ranges of five or uh, more, it would do nothing to her one rep max. Right? Other athletes that if you trained them in the 90% plus, it would do nothing to their one rep max. Some need to work in the tens and others need to work in the ones and twos. So you've got to figure out which ones are the better for you based off of a, a kind of a host of physiological things. But generally speaking, if you're more of an explosive power athlete, you got to go towards the higher reps. If you're more of a strength endurance or endurance athlete, you got to stay at the higher percentages. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. A big thanks to Louie from the Talk for podcast for letting us share it here on the Chasing Excellence feed. Go check out the Talk for podcast wherever you are listening to this if you'd like to get more from Louie. One quick reminder before we let you go this week, head to www.chasingexcellence.email. Get on the newsletter list. We'll send you a reminder every week that we send out a new episode. 
And if you'd like to dive even deeper, join us for a premium membership, get ad-free episodes, exclusive content, more conversations with Ben and I and your fellow chasers. We would love to see you. We're excited about what we're doing over there. Again, www.chasingexcellence.email. The link is in the show notes. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. We'll see you next week for a new episode of Chasing Excellence.